arrived. 2022, right? Congratulations, you made it. You turned the page on another calendar year. And that's almost hard to say, isn't it? January 1st, 2023. It seems really weird. It seems like yesterday was the pandemic when we were all stuck in our houses and all that kind of stuff going on. And, but here we are. It's a new day. And with every new day, it means a new beginning, new opportunities. And the opportunities are boundless. They're endless if, if we seize the opportunities that are before us. If we take the time to be resolute and make plans and action plans, because just wishing for something to happen will never happen. We literally have to walk out what we want to see revealed in our lives. Do we believe that? You're not going to simply just get there, wake up in the morning going, I want to be in shape. Right? I've been saying that for the last few years, and it's not been working, right? But uh, we, are, we have an opportunity to seize the day, to be resolute, to define a new future. British poet T.S. Eliot wrote these words that I find very poignant. He said, for last year's words belong to last year's language. And next year's words await another voice. And to make an end is to make a beginning. I believe those words are very powerful and poignant for us because there's not a single one of us that doesn't wish to redefine our words from 2022. Because there's things that we may have said or spoken that we regret. Amen, church? There's things that maybe we have done that we wish we wouldn't have done. Or there's those opportunities that we just missed because we didn't take a leap of faith or a step of trust. And so last year's words, let's make them last year's words. And 2023 gives us an opportunity to redefine how we speak, how we walk in our faith, and how we live out this very life so that we're not defined by what we did last year, but we're defined by what we do this year, in this moment, in this hour, in this day. I don't know about you, but that Hollywood makes millions of dollars every year off of new starts, right? Because we never want to believe we're stuck where we are, amen? We want to believe that there's hope for tomorrow. We want to believe that there's a new future, a new day, a new dawn, a new opportunity. Well, the truth is, all those things are true and more if we begin anew. And that's why it's so poignant for people, because we make all these New Year's resolutions, don't we? Uh, anybody make New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody? Show of hands. Anybody? Okay. Four, six, seven people. Okay. Seven people. Uh, well, every year, there's common resolutions. Every year, there's those things that we all go back into the toolbox and say, this year will be the year, right? You know what I'm talking about? This year will be different than last year. I'm going to get that gym membership, and I'm going to go more than a week, right? And you know, this year, I'm going to eat healthier. You go to the store, and you get all the new fresh vegetables, and you, then you later, in two weeks later, you find out they're rotting in your crisper, right? You know, we make all these resolutions, and I bet you can help me out this year by us trying to figure out what are the top five recurring New Year's resolutions. And we're going to play a little modified version of Family Feud. Let's go! All right. Now I've got the top five answers here. Okay, we're going to reverse order, but I need your help. So what do you think are the most common, the top five recurring New Year's resolutions? Go ahead and shout it out. Lose weight. Okay, that's one of them. What else? Save money, okay. Anything else? Eat healthier. Eat healthier. What else? Pay off debt. What anything else? Quit smoking, okay? Anything else? 
All right, okay, well, here we go. We got the top five answers. Let's see how you did. Let's see if you got even close. I'm sorry there is no fast money, uh, so, but this is just as fast as we're going to go. So here, let's show me that number five, and you got to say it with me. Oh, you guys never watched Family Feud? Okay, we'll say it again. What is it? Live. All right, live more economically. That's a good thing. All of you guys have a budget, right, for 2023 already? Sitting ready to go, right? If not, call the church. We can help you out, I promise. Okay, here we go. All right, how about number four? Let's see what number four is. More time with family and friends. I always find that ironic kind of is a New Year's resolution because you just spent all that time with family and friends. And let's be honest, family are kind of like fish. After about three days, you want it to be thrown out, right? It's kind of, just don't look at me that way. You know it's the truth. You know you love your family, but after a while, you just want peace and quiet. But it is a good resolution to spend more time with family and friends. How about number three? Let's show us what that is. Lose weight. Always the highest priority for me. I'm like on the yo-yo diet. I lose it, I gain it, I lose it, I gain it, I lose it, I gain it. So maybe this year I'll lose it and leave it, okay? Here we go. How about number two? Let's see what's there. Eat healthier. Always a great thing for us to do with your diet plans, all the new menus. Your phone is probably blowing up right now because I'm talking about all these things. So when you leave today, your Facebook app and your Instagram and all that's going to have all these advertisements for new gyms, weight loss stuff, and all that kind of good stuff. So you're welcome. All right, number one. Here we go. And what is it? Exercise more. What I find interesting about New Year's resolutions is most of them are set on our physical and very few of them define or focus on the spiritual and the emotional well-being of our, of our life. It's kind of the thing we want to get our bodies in shape and all, that. all those things are good, but really mental and spiritual health is so much more important for us to develop. And I believe as a church, what I want to focus on today is really learning how we can really set resolutions that we can actually achieve that'll make a difference. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in 1 Timothy when he said this in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, physical training is good. So let's just pause for a second. Physical training is good. You see, this is, the scripture says this is the, the spiritual temple, right? That we should take care of our bodies so that we can live healthy lives, so that we can do more for the kingdom. So physical training is good, but, but training for godliness is much better. It's a greater return. And why is there a greater return on godliness training than physical training? Because your physical body will eventually decay and go away. And we get a brand new body. That's what's really cool when we die and pass. We get a brand new body. I can't wait to see what that's like. Can anybody else agree with that? But it says the promising benefits in this life and the life to come is what comes from godliness training. So we don't need to focus only on our physical. We need to focus on our mental and spiritual in this life as we learn to set goals for 2023 that literally will have a benefit not only in this life but in the life to come. And I believe as believers, too many times we focus on temporal goals and results rather than eternal goals and results. And the best resolutions that we can make in 2023 as a believer are things that are going to bear fruit not only in this life, but in the life to come, that is going to pass on a legacy and a life that is going to be rewarding and honoring to God and to everyone in our sphere. 
You know, I had one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever received this year. My son, he's 24 years old. He's off the payroll. Woohoo! Praise God. He's got a job. He graduated college. And yes, it's a miracle. And we love that fact. But he, he said, you know, Dad, I'm not really good at expressing how much we care for you. So he wrote a letter to me, my wife, my daughter, and my grandparents. And it was just astonishing to see that the little things that I did when he was born all the way through his college years paid off. Words that I never would have thought would have been spoken. So the investment that I'm talking about for eternal benefits is leaving a legacy where we broke the cycle of addiction in his life, where he didn't have to know that heartbreak, right? That we could pass on new hope and new things for a new life for him that he can pass on to one day when he gets married and has kids and that their kids and their kids, the stuff that we're talking about godly training is not just going to benefit you now here in this moment, but it's going to have a long lasting effect far beyond your date of death that we can live for eternity in this way. So in 2023, our true goals and resolutions should be in training for not only this life, but the life to come. And one of those goals, Paul says plainly, that we should train for godliness. But what on the earth is godliness? That sounds really churchy, doesn't it? Right? It's like, are you godly? Right? You know, are we, or you have a godly life? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, the literal Greek word itself means this, awesome respect accorded to God through devoutness and piety. Now, once again, that sounds really churchy as well, right? What in the world does devoutness mean and piety? Well, let's break it down a little further. Simply put, godliness is living a fruitful and obedient Christian life. It is a daily practice allowing one's life to be transformed by the laws and commands of God. In other words, God is shaping us, we're not shaping God. You see, we live in a world right now that's in deconstruct mode. We want to make God in our image so that we can understand him. The truth is, we will never fully comprehend the vast, immense nature of an infinite God. And so we need to allow him to define us, not us define him, and trust that his word is what really will shape us and mold us and make us. So we dedicate ourselves to his command and his word. That is dedication to God, living a life of what we call moral uprightness, which means we take on the character and the nature of God in everything that we do. And where do we learn that? We learn that from here. We learn it from God's worth and his truth. So to live in godliness means reflecting the nature and character of God in everything that we say or we do on a daily basis. Now that is heavy amount of training, isn't it? That seems overwhelming. Is this even possible? Well, the good news, it is possible because Jesus says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, when we come to Christ as our Lord and Savior, he walks with us. Isn't that good news? The Spirit, he gave us the Spirit of God who instructs us and teaches us in how we should live out our lives daily. If we call upon him, he will answer. Another way we can describe living a life of godliness is walking out our faith. Every one of us can walk right here in this room. We can walk out what God is instructing us to do with our lives so godliness is learning to walk out our faith. I love the story in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24 about the life of Enoch. 
When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, Methuselah is the oldest living person we have record on date in Scripture. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had, another, he had other sons and daughters. That's even more astounding, isn't it? I mean, like, my goodness, I'm glad that I'm just in my 50s now and my kids are out of the house. Praise God, glory be to God and glory to his name. I can't imagine being 265 years old having a child, right? But he walked with God for another 300 years. He lived to 365 years old, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he simply disappeared because God took him. In that little three-verse summary, Moses, who, is, who we declare as the author of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, wrote and said that Enoch lived such a life of faithfulness that God simply said, come on home. He didn't even have to experience death. I don't know about you, but that would be a cool way to go, wouldn't it? That your life so exhibited and was so visible in walking out the way God wanted you to walk out your life that he'd say, come on home, Rusty. That'd be really cool. The only other way that would top it is if I could go like Elijah. If I could see the chariots of fire and be taken up in a whirlwind, but that's a whole other story. But Enoch walked out his faith of obedience. And if you don't believe that story is true, look at 2 Kings today, chapter 2. Okay? So Enoch walked out a close relationship with God and walked out with the Lord. I love that story because Enoch was just like us. Just an ordinary dude that chose to wake up every morning and faithfully follow God's will for his life. His walk with God was visible, it was noticeable. He, he demonstrated the faith that was in his heart. He was not just an internal faith where it was just intellectual pursuit, it was an external exhibiting of his faith. He was one that walked with God out of obedience to God's word. We see this confirmed, it isn't just from Genesis, we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of fame of faith. If you don't know that passage, it's an amazing faith that talks about all the faithful people that went before us so that we know we're not alone in walking out our faith, that others have done it, right? I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me, right? When I can see somebody go, man, they did it, I can do it. Because the same power that was in them is in us the Holy Spirit, that we can walk out our faith. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. I don't know about you, but that is a great resolution for 2023, isn't it? May my life be one that pleases God. May my life be one that God notices. That it's not just in my private, quiet time in my room, knowing that I've learned all the 66 books of the Bible or whatever it is, but know that my life has an impact, not just in my life, but in my kids' life and in their kids' and their friends' lives, that they will bring them to our house so that we can rub off the gospel on them. So that when we're walking in the supermarket, when we're in the driving, and that's my biggest weakness that's why I don't put any Christian religious figures on my car, right? In case I fall short of the glory of God, but we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But in this passage, we learn that Enoch's life was one of walking out his belief and devotion to God. That's why James chapter 1, verse 22, we read these words. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. The best way I like to describe this is when I told my kids when they're in the house, I said, hey, Blaine, it's my son, take out the trash. 
Now, I know he heard me because he said, yes, dad. But I know he didn't really listen because when I went back into the kitchen a couple hours later, guess what's still there? The trash. You see, God wants us to hear his word, not only hear it, but be doers of it. So when we come on a Sunday morning and we listen to the word of God proclaimed, we need to be asking ourselves, what is it that God wants me to apply to my life today? And then how can I walk that out? How can I pray that God gives me the strength to change, to be transformed into his image and his likeness? It's not easy, but it's a willingness to submit to the power and the authority of God in our lives so that we can walk out the faith that he always wanted us to walk out. In short, godliness is proof of our faith. You ever heard the phrase, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's what? It's probably a duck. Wouldn't it be great if people could just look at our lives and go, and they live their life like Christ? They talk in the power and the authority of Christ, and they care in love like Christ. So they must really know Christ. Because too often, like Mahatma Gandhi once said, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for Christians which is still a cop-out, but what it basically means, we may be the only Bible that anybody ever reads. The faith that we have been given is a faith that's supposed to be transformational and to go out from us to others, to have a lasting impact. That's why Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I love this. In the Greek, that word plead is like a begging. Like You can imagine Paul on his knees just saying, Listen, if you don't get anything else that I'm saying right now, hear this. Please give your life as a living sacrifice, not just a one-time only deal when we repented of our sins, but it's a life that we say, I don't want just fire insurance. I want life insurance. I want to live out a faith walk that resembles and glorifies you in all that I say and all that I do. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Have you thought about what God has done? What a great way to start the new year to realize that he paid the ultimate price that we could not pay so that we could walk in freedom and newness of life. There is hope for a new start, church. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Today is a new day. In the scriptures it says today can be the day of your salvation. It doesn't matter how dark you think your life was in the past. God says, my love is greater. We can learn to walk in this newness of life and this living, holy sacrifice. And notice it's the kind he will find acceptable. And this is the truly way we worship him. Today we did worship. The worship team did a phenomenal job leading in worship. I love the music, but that's only a small bit of worship. Worship is what you do when you go home and speak to your spouse or your kids or the person at the checkout stand when you're in that long line at Walmart going, why am I packing my own groceries? <laughs> and you smile anyway when they check your receipt at the end of the, of the time there, they're thinking, well, if you're going to trust me to put them in my bag, you should trust me that I'm faithful, right? But that's a whole other story for another day. We have to learn to put on that godliness. The way we worship him is the way that we act in all times, in all places, with all people. 
Godliness is not just an intellectual ritual or pursuit. It's a surrendering of oneself to God. It is always devotion in action. It's walking out faith. We see this over and over again in the New Testament. I've got a few scriptures on there. You can take a picture of it if you want and study a little further this week. It says we are to walk in good works. In other words, God has prepared in advance the work that we are to do. It's already ready there for us. We just need to step into it. Walk out the faith that you've been given. We need to walk properly, Romans 13, which is we need to avoid the sinful things that are being dropped into our lives. Because we live in a world that is going to tempt us and distract us from walking and living out a life of godliness. It's just going to happen, and we need to be prepared for it. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. The truth is, God is going to call you to do something in 2023 that makes zero sense. Do you believe me? It's not going to make sense, but we still step out in faith saying, God, I trust that this is where you're leading me. And I'll believe that if I keep walking by faith that you will help me see when I look back, wow, it was always God with me. We need to walk in love. The scriptures tell us that we will be known by our love. That's how the world is going to know that Jesus is really who he is. When he sees people like us, broken, hurtful, selfish, now, I'm just talking about myself. I'm not talking about you, right? People that will still love people that are broken, hurting, and selfish. And the reason we do it is because God first loved us when we were miserable, wretched creatures. And he says, I died for you. You didn't deserve it but we walk out love. And I'm not talking a sexual love. We have over, just overblown the word love out of the water. We're talking about an agape, unconditional, unmerited favor of grace that we pour into people's lives. We need to walk worthy of our calling. You have a calling as a child of God to live out your faith in a way that honors him. We all have a purpose in this life and we all need to finally learn to walk as Jesus walked. Because that's ultimately our ultimate aim and goal in this life and in the next when we get to go see him face to face. Now, we notice something about the Greek word walk, and it's a present tense verb, continuous ongoing action. In other words, godly training is a daily event. It's something that we don't need to take off from, right? It's like we don't do a, we do like in weightlifting, we do arm day, leg day, and we do like, you know, different segments of the body or things like that. You know, Brandon's always coming by my office about 1145 going, hey, I'm going to the gym. Are you coming with me? I'm like, yeah. That's got to change this year because I got to get back in one of those physical things. My wife is encouraging me to do so. Um, but it's the habit. We need to learn a daily habit of obedience. It's the habit of growing in godliness, which is accomplished by walking out our faith. It's devotion and action, walking out our faith, learning to live a life that honors and glorifies him that will get noticed. I want to be noticed by God this year. Is anybody else? Not in a bragging and edifying way for me, but I want my life to so resemble his love and his character that people simply must know what on earth is going on in your life. And I get to point him to Jesus. When Paul wanted to distill the essence of the Christian life into one brief paragraph, he focused on godliness as our ultimate aim in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. 
He says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Let me stop there for a second. I want you to know that this walking in our faith does not bring us salvation, right? If we look there again, for the grace of God has what? Been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. God gave it to us as a free gift. It was not by our works or our own doing, but yet we are called to walk out our righteousness and our faith on a daily basis. Verse 12 says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. In other words, living a life of godliness is not just only doing what God called us to do, but walking away from the things that are not honoring to him. That's what repentance is. I love it. It's just simply turning from what is not glorifying God to walking and doing the thing that does glorify God. We need to learn to live in that freedom. And we also need to understand there is no shame that we need to carry. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news, church? doesn't matter if we fall short. We can still pick back up and have a new blessing every single day. And it says, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. I love this part of it because too many times in the church, we believe we come to faith and everything's going to be okay. But guess what? There's still broken people out there. There's still people that don't believe in Jesus. There's still people that are going to do vile things to you. We're still in this evil world. I wish it was not that way. I wish it when we came to faith, it was like, beam me up, Scotty. Take me home. But that's not what it is because he wants us to continue to live a life that points others to Jesus, that pulls them from the depth of despair and hell and destruction in their life to the point of hope and newness of life. We are called to walk in this godliness, away from this evilness and wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with the hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. This is how we make it every morning, church. When we wake up, we know that we have a hope that this isn't the end, that this is not my final resting place, that there is a hope that one day I will see, you will see Jesus face to face. Is that good news? You get to see Jesus face to face. So these temporary sufferings and despair and crazy people amount to nothing compared to the greatness of knowing one day I will walk with Jesus. You can walk with Jesus. I love how Eugene Peterson describes this in terms of following Jesus. He says, to follow Jesus implies we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. It goes back to the fact that God is the author of our lives. He's the one that shapes us. To follow Jesus means picking up rhythms and ways of doing things that are often unsaid, but always a derivative from Jesus, formed by the influence of Jesus. So in other words, the way we live our life always points to Jesus. We need to allow the word and the message of Jesus to bathe over us like a cleansing flood every day. To follow Jesus, we can't separate what Jesus is saying from what Jesus is doing and the way he's doing it. To follow Jesus is as much or maybe even more about feet as it is about ears or eyes. True training for godliness is not just learning more about God. It's learning about God so that we can live out his truth to the world so they can see that there's hope. How many people here know of someone that needs hope? 
You know how we share the hope of Jesus is we walk in the reality of the truth and so people can simply see our lives and go, something's different. I'm not special. I have nothing to give or to offer but my life. And so I choose to walk it out. Whatever that means. If it means as a pastor for the rest of my days, great. If it means I'm a stay-at-home dad, then great. If it means that I need to go sell used cars, great. I'm going to do it for the glory of God, learning to walk out my faith. So is this even possible? Is godliness training even possible? Is it even a reality? Is it something that we can get? Is it something that we can do in 2023? The answer to that is yes, because Jesus gives us the power to do so. And so in 2023, I want you to make a commitment in one of these areas that I'm about to talk about, because it's essential for us to grow in godliness. It takes training. It takes the effort. The first thing we need to decide is an obvious one, but it's something we can't avoid because there may be someone here today that doesn't know this truth. And the first is faith with Jesus Christ. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. First and foremost, you must know Jesus to be able to walk like Jesus. Sounds very simple and mundane, but there's too many people that are trying to live a a good life. You can't do it. You can do good things, but you can never truly live a good life. Even Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So we need to have faith in Christ. And it says, if that's you today, there's good news because you can have faith in Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If that is you today, today is the day of your salvation. It's good news. I know the enemy right now is saying, but I've done too many things. Let's talk. I've done too many things to stand on this stage but it's by the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ that I'm here. Not because of who I was, but who I am in him. So it doesn't matter how dark you think your life is right now, Jesus is greater, Jesus is stronger, and Jesus can restore a light into your life so that you can begin living a life of godliness in a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, please pull one of those next step cards out of the back of your seat and let us know so we can celebrate with you, that we can follow up with you, that we can help you grow in your faith. Secondly, we need to understand that walking with God is is working out our next steps to grow in him is through obedience. There's multiple ways that we can be obedient to Christ. The first thing we need to do is understand if you have not taken that next step through baptism, we would encourage you to do so. It is the simplest way that we can show the world of our inward faith and show that it is now an outward proclamation. And if you have not done that, we want to encourage you because Jesus says this in Luke 9, 26, if anyone is ashamed of me in my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns. God is calling us to give a a public proclamation of who we are in him. Too many people say, but my faith is private. No, faith is never private It is always public. Jesus came and was hung publicly on a cross to die for our sins. The least we can do is publicly proclaim his name to the power and glory of his name. If that's you, please sign up on that Next Step card. We'll get you all the information coming in March. We've got our next Churchwide Baptism Sunday, and it's going to be amazing. 
Another step that we can grow in the godliness and walk in faith, a good way to grow in our faith is connection with God. Are you in his word? Everything I'm talking about training for godliness starts in here. As we break down his word and see what does it mean for me, and we've given you a tool to help you in this process. We've just got our new listening together guides printed. They're hot off the press. They're right out here in the lobby for you to pick up. They're absolutely free. If you've never done the listening together guide, it's a really simple process. Five days a week, we ask you to read scripture one chapter a day. One chapter a day and begin to practice the SOAP method, which is you're going to pick that scripture, you're going to write it down where God is really leading you and what you feel is jumping off the page, and you're going to make observations about it. It may be as simple as if you're reading about Jesus being in a boat with the disciples. It's like, Jesus went in the boat with the disciples. That's an observation. Don't understand, we don't have to be theologically fully trained to do this. God will speak to us. He says the only teacher we need is the Holy Spirit. He will instruct us. So we write down observations, what he's saying to us. Then we write down an application. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this in my life, whether that with my spouse, with my kids, with my coworkers, wherever it is, how am I going to apply that? And then we need to pray, God, give me the strength and the ability to walk this out, what you've instructed in my life. This is a real easy guide to build a connection with God. If you have your own Bible study method, keep doing it. But this is for anyone that maybe has not found that pace or that rhythm to grow in God's word. Dig in. I promise you will be blessed. Another way to grow in our faith and a great commitment is connection with community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is your faith family. Look around. These aren't just random people in a crowd. They are your faith family. They are here to help, encourage, pray, equip, teach, instruct, whatever it is that you need for your life. At this moment, we are here to encourage and walk and cheer you along. That's what the faith family is about. Like Isaiah said it this morning, there's no greater place to be than with your faith family worshiping the one God who loves us all equally. Amen, church? So let's get connected with our faith family, but it doesn't start, stop there. You see, life doesn't just happen in, in rows. Life happens best in circles. So we want to encourage you to get plugged into a small group, whether you have a, a small child, whether, you have, whether you're an adult, whether it is, we have groups for all different ages and stages of life. And in next week, we're going to be starting the rollout of those groups. We want you to get plugged in. We have a phenomenal children's or kids ministry and youth ministry. If you're, you have a kid or a young adult, let's get them plugged in. We have a great young adult ministry. There is a place for everyone to grow and nurture their faith and be encouraged. And we need you to plug in and to get connected. Another great opportunity to grow in our faith is through service. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The greatest way that we will ever grow in our faith is through service. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge everybody today to make a commitment to use your gifts a minimum of once a month, here in the church and outside the church. That's 12 days of the year. 
our children's, our kids' ministry, I keep saying children's because last time, my last church, we called it children's. It's kids here. Sorry. I'm tripping over language still. Still learning. I was at a former point. This is a different point, so hopefully I don't call it the wrong point uh, church-wise too. But we want to invest. We've got great ministries. Our kids' ministry needs volunteers. Our student ministry needs volunteers. Our young adult ministry needs volunteers. Small groups, our ushers, our greeters. You have gifting for all those things. We were put on this earth to give of ourselves after we come to Jesus. That's the only reason we're still here. So we need to walk out that faith. And finally, another key to growing in our faith, and this is the hardest, and if you need training in this, reach out as we want to help you. That's sharing your faith. First Peter tells us this, 3, 15 through 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. And I know people freak out about sharing their faith because they're thinking, I don't know all the theology to it. I don't know if I'll remember the Romans road. Is it all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the, but the, the wages of death, or well, what was that? And then but the free gift of God is eternal life. And then uh, if you believe in Jesus and confess, and blah, blah, what it really means is telling your story. I once was blind, but now I see. Because the coolest thing is no one can challenge your testimony. It's your testimony. They'll fight you on scripture and argue it all day long, but I can say, I once was a drunk that was selfish and bitter and lonely, but Jesus redeemed me from self-destruction and despair and gave me a hope, a hope to walk in. That's all we have to do in sharing our faith. As we close today, I really want to challenge you to really look at the training of godliness as your 2023 resolution. It's like I'm going to make a commitment today to walk out my faith, whatever that looks like. And whatever help you need, we're here as a church body to help you grow in that.